Welcome to the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast, the go-getter's guide to real estate investing and financial freedom. Here are your hosts, Naeem Smith and Mike Collins. What's going on, everybody? My name is Mike Collins. Alongside me today is my co-host, Naeem Smith. What's going on, Naeem? It's been a while since we've been live together recording an episode. Yeah, it has been a minute. We just both kind of been busy and on different schedules, so we've just had to adjust kind of separately recording ourselves and then adding it with each other. But man, it's great to be back live with you right now. And currently I'm back in Houston. I was just in Florida, specifically Orlando at the Tropical Bowl. And now I'm just doing classes and starting to train for the pro day coming up. But I know you got some exciting news. So you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I mean, not as exciting as, uh, you know, playing in a draft bowl and getting ready for the NFL draft but uh, I'm in Houston right now too but getting ready to move to Denver so by the time this airs I'm going to be living in Denver so it's pretty cool um, it's exciting but um, you know and our kind of brings us into today's episode our today's guest Brian Belduki is from Denver real estate investor from Denver and he achieved financial freedom just in the last month or so and um, he was an awesome guest, awesome show, and I really just love the whole takeaway that anybody can do this. You know, anybody can achieve financial freedom. It's all depending on your mindset and if you're committed to doing it. And if you are, then you can get it done. What do you think about the show today, Naeem? Yeah, I think Brian is such a good guy, first off. And second of all, the show today was just specifically about anybody can do it. He started out and you're just going to hear about all about the story and it all it is is just the compound effect you change something in your life you know what i'm saying and you set goals and you stick to them before you know it you can become financially free so just can't wait for everybody to listen to this we just recorded so much good information so just make sure you guys tune in yeah and let's get into it yeah let's bring them on the show it's a pleasure having you on the show, Brian. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, where do you want me to start? Uh, basically, I got started in real estate a long time ago, back in 2015 is when I got my first place. So uh, I was a condo downtown in Denver. And uh, basically, I was still going to college when I got my place. So I had to have my parents buy the place. And then the idea was for them to refinance and then switch it over to my name once I got a job. So um, that's where I got started. I was grateful because I had parents. I, I planted the seed. I wanted to buy a place, but I didn't have the job yet. So my parents helped me out. Uh, we got a condo for 160 grand down in uh, downtown Denver. It's actually owned by Comedy Works. And so I lived there and then I started Airbnb. And so that's kind of where I got started. So did you buy this condo knowing you were going to start airbnb it, or what was kind of the purpose? I did not. Yeah, I actually just thought I was going to live there, uh, pay off the mortgage. I actually got a 15-year loan, so I came from the Dave Ramsey side, and mm -hmm. uh, so I got a 15-year loan, and I was just going to pay it off and live there and, and have fun downtown. Yeah. And, and it wasn't until I actually started paying the mortgage that I realized that, you know, I was, I was basically paying three fourths of my income 
wow. this property. <laughs> yeah, can you just kind of explain why maybe like a 15-year loan is just, I guess, detrimental almost if you're trying to be like a real estate investor? Yeah, as a, as a real estate investor, uh, you definitely want to go with a 30-year fixed. Uh, the 15-year loan is great if you want to pay it off and go Dave Ramsey style. But yeah, as an investor, you know, you're not going to be able to cash flow as well. And um, yeah, it just makes sense to go with the 30-year fixed, definitely. Yeah. So with that condo, you just started kind of, what, I mean, you obviously you realized, okay, I'm spending way too much money on this. So then what was your next step? Yeah, so kind of funny story. Um, I was out there just taking an Uber back to my condo and I was discussing with the Uber driver, you know, just say, hey, this is expensive. You know, I can't live down here anymore. Mm -hmm. He said, why don't you try Airbnb? So I said, oh, wow, that's a great idea. So yeah. I put it up on Airbnb and I'd go up to my buddy's place on the 28th floor. Uh, he had a pullout couch and uh, you know he didn't ask me for money or anything like that. I just said, hey man, can I come stay with you? Can I come stay on your couch? And he was cool with it. And then I'd come back down, do the cleaning. I did all the cleaning myself because I didn't know any better. And this was back when you know I didn't have the resources. So I didn't, I didn't know about bigger pockets. Yeah. Know about you know systems. I just kind of was doing it on the fly. Yeah. Did so, you know about like financial freedom at this point or no? I did not. Okay. No, I was, I was simply just trying to supplement my mortgage, mm -hmm. which was, so the mortgage um, was about $1,000, but then plus the HOA, it was uh, 1380 and then with utilities, uh, we're talking 1400 and then I also paid for parking, which was another 160. So, so can you explain what an HOA fee is? And then maybe for like the novice real estate investor, like why should they look out for that just if they're trying to look at different properties? Yeah, so an HOA is a homeowners association. So um, they range in like what they charge, but basically uh, they control the property and the budget. So uh, they take in a certain amount of money, they, they control the reserves, and uh, they also cover some of the utilities as well. So my you know HVAC, that was all covered. Um, I did have to pay for electricity. But they can also um, decide to do a special assessment. And that's what happened in this case. So I got hit with a special assessment. I had no idea that it was gonna be so much. And uh, you know the rest is history. And then I just have another question. So you're talking about like you were doing Airbnb and you're doing the work by yourself. Why would you recommend that if you just have like one property or would you even try to outsource that work if you only had one property? I would try to automate as much as you can. Um, Self-managing is the way to go with Airbnb, but automation is key. So um, using those systems, uh, you know, cleaners, having cleaners come in. Um, at the time, I didn't know any better, so I was cleaning myself. I was sending all the messages. Now Airbnb does have automated messages, so that helps. So you were self-managing the Airbnb. So then, I think I guess we'll say this now, congrats on achieving financial freedom, because you just did. So that's yeah. awesome. So how did you get into that? You know, you went from this condo, you're just trying to kind of pay off the loan a little bit or pay off the mortgage, kind of save some money that way. What sparked the financial freedom and real estate investing really for you? 
Yeah, so the first thing I did when I was in this condo, um, I kind of got into the, the Miracle Morning. I don't know if you mm. guys have that. Mm. Yeah. Both have read the book. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I love that book. So I started doing the Miracle Morning, and that led me to a bunch of different books because you're you know reading every single morning. Uh, I started reading Think and Grow Rich. Um, I started reading uh, Robert Kiyosaki's books, um, all of them. Oh, all of them, yeah. Yeah. I'm not and trying that, to uh, oh sorry I'm not trying to hate on the think and grow rich but I honestly just couldn't finish the book it's just kind of like a little older so it just didn't really I guess hook me but I don't know I'm gonna finish at some point but just you know I kind of put it on the back burner yeah it, it's an older book and you know there's better books now that are more up to date but that was the first book that I read that just got me started it it got the ball rolling on reading other books and uh, it really, it really taught me about like affirmations, you know, putting, putting something out into the universe, manifesting. And yeah. back in those days, you know, I'd write all my goals down, and one of my goals was actually to, you know, buy multiple properties, and uh, to become financially independent. So that was actually written in my notebook. I'd go over it every single morning, every single night, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that kind of brought me into financial independence, if you will. So. Yeah. Can you just explain like what financial independence means to you? Yeah. So financial independence is basically where, you know, your investments um, cover your expenses. So, I mean, we, we go over lean fi versus, you know, super fi. Um, financial independence is what fi stands for. And um, I consider myself lean fi because all my expenses are covered, but I can't go out there and, and ball out by any means yeah but you still don't have to work anymore right exactly yeah all my necessities are covered uh, my living is covered my food is covered so um, so yeah I'm doing good so obviously like you have properties that have attributed to helping you reach your financial independence but before we talk about more in depth on the properties could you talk about maybe like budgeting and frugality and kind of go in depth about that definitely yeah so i've always been a, a frugal person i wasn't big on budgeting necessarily but i only spent on what i needed so i wouldn't go out there and you know hit hit the nordstrom buy all the clothes um, I didn't have a fancy car. I had a car that was paid off. Um, food, I would actually go to Costco. I'd buy it in bulk. Yeah. So that was a way I saved money as well. Interesting. And do you think that played a role in being able to, I mean, how long did it take you to achieve financial freedom? Um, I would say six years. Six years. Do you think that played a role in being able to do it in such a short time? Definitely. Yeah, that, that and my mentality, so I'm trying to work through this, but, you know, it kind of pains me to actually spend money, so <laughs> that that's always kind of been in the back of my head, is like, ah, oh, do I need this? Do I need to spend the money? And that comes from my parents, so they were very frugal. They only spent on what was necessary, and uh, so that got passed down to me, and that definitely helped me save a lot of money so that I could buy a property. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, are you riding solo currently, or do you have somebody that also is in your life? I don't know if you're like having to account for their expenses too. Just trying to get a better picture. Yeah, I'm I'm solo right now. 
Okay, yeah, yeah and I, I just think that's really important for the audience members to, like, really, this is really cool because, like, you've reached financial independence and, like, that's a great thing. And, like, you got to realize as an audience member that people, you have to be smart about what you do, like, by budgeting, frugality, and then making sure you're buying the right assets and all these things kind of culminate with each other and allow you to do this. So congrats to you. Appreciate it. Yeah, so let's kind of jump into how you were able to achieve FI in you know six years. Obviously, budgeting is one part of it, but then real estate investing is another part of it. So where'd you go from the condo? Yeah, so after the condo, uh, kind of to get into that special assessment, um, they actually basically had a huge riser project. So the riser were the water pipes going up and down the building. Mm-hmm. So um, it was a $40 million project. It costed me alone $27,000, which could be lumped into the HOA. Wow. So I decided right then and there that I couldn't live there anymore. So I was airbnb already. I saw signs in the elevator that said, you know, nothing under, no, nothing over or nothing under a 30-day rental. So I, I immediately took down my Airbnbs and I had an airbnb still reach out to me and say, hey, can I live there long term? So I was like, yeah, that would be perfect. Uh, why don't you move on in and I can move out, save some money at my parents' house, and then eventually buy my, my own place, mm-hmm. another place. And so that's how it went. And uh, I lived at my parents' house for a few months while I was saving money. And I was working. And then I found a four-bedroom, two-bath. And so I decided to jump on that uh, with, with the help of my parents. So they're actually holding the loan. Uh, because I still couldn't qualify. So I kind of had to be creative about it. And because it was such a good deal, uh, my parents did help me out with this one. Why can't you qualify? So I was actually doing a contract work. So it wasn't considered consistent income. Oh, so it was like a 1099 type job or can you explain? Not quite 1099, but yeah, it, it was close to that. It was basically, I was contracted through another company uh, to, to work at the place I was. I was doing water treatment. Mm. Yep. But I wasn't officially hired by the company. And so because of that, um, yeah, I just could not qualify on my own. Yeah, it can get tricky. So they basically co-signed for you or they took the loan out themselves? So basically the deal was my mom actually took the loan and then I paid her as if as if I owned it. Uh-huh. And, the plan was to transfer that over to my name once I could qualify. Gotcha. I guess. So, oh, go ahead. Oh. Go no, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So you so you got the property, and now what? It became like a house hack, or were you Airbnb in it, or? So I decided to Airbnb it because I did such a good job in the condo Airbnb, mm-hmm. and I wanted to find a place that I could Airbnb uh, without the regulations that would disallow me to so yeah uh, yeah so i did a uh basically rent by the room airbnb uh, a hostel style (laughs) (laughs) wow so can you just talk about how that dynamic of a rent by room airbnb kind of went what are some of the pros and cons with that definitely so yeah i mean there were a lot of pros um you know it was cash flowing really nicely um, I could charge up to like 70 bucks per room and that was pretty good. Um, I met a lot of great people. We would share a kitchen. 
And so, you know, they'd often make me meals, uh, you know, they'd share whatever food they had. And, uh, you know, it was just a great time to just meet people from different places, you know, out of the country, different states. Um, in terms of negatives, uh, I'd say there's a lot of negatives. Uh, one being that I had to share the bathroom with uh, two of the rooms. So um, that, that was definitely a pain point. And then uh, let alone, I had some, some guests that, that weren't fun at all. Um, mm. I'd be happy to go into that, but yeah, that was, I had a few guests that kind of ruined it for me, if you will. I think this kind of ties into the point, Mike, about the comfortability, uh, versus profitability. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I have a couple questions, but obviously I want to know what you kind of did after they ruined it for you. But I'm wondering, like, would people stay a long time when you're renting by the room on Airbnb or is it like they'd stay for a couple days or so the longest they'd stay is like a week usually okay. yeah and then they'd leave mm-hmm. did we even talk about where you're located at because maybe that kind of uh attributes to why people only stay so long right yeah i'm in the denver area and uh, this was uh west denver so lakewood so is that by like mountains or anything i, I don't know denver too well yeah, yeah, it's it's 15 minutes from downtown and it's 15 minutes from like your closest hike. So, so it's right back in the middle. So is that kind of like the location wise, is that why it kind of attracted a lot of people maybe if they're trying to go hiking or to the mountains or was it kind of a mix or? I'd say it was a mix. Yeah, there's some people that were just trying to go to Red Rocks. That's our, our big amphitheater here. Okay. And uh, yeah, people were trying to go downtown, uh, get their mix of, you know, going hiking. So my other question was with the Airbnb, you've got to get all the furniture yourself, right? Right. So how did that play into, you know, upfront costs and everything? Yeah. So, I mean, I got all my stuff mostly off of like marketplace Craigslist. Mm. So I was able to save some money there. Uh, the beds were brand new. So that was a big upfront cost, but I think each bed costs about $600. Okay. And then other than that, yeah, marketplace is great. I definitely recommend it. And it wasn't, you know, the nicest furniture ever, I would say. I mean, it was yeah, decent furniture. It wasn't, you know, hideous. Got the but, job done, though. So right. how much capital do you think somebody needs to just get a decent Airbnb together? I, I know that kind of probably depends on room, but, like, for example, can you talk about yours? Yeah, so, I mean, if you're going to go off Marketplace and Craigslist, you could get by with $5,000. If you're going to go, you know, fancy newer stuff then you could be spending uh 10 to fifteen thousand dollars and that that depends on you know how big the place is as well wow this is really interesting i i don't know much about airbnb so i think i'm yeah. taking so many notes right now i don't know about you mike yeah well it's worth noting too like the upfront cost yeah you got to bring some more money to the table right for the furniture but then your cash flow is pr- stronger than it would be with just the normal long-term rental right right yeah if, if i were just doing long term i was getting about 25 bucks a night but instead i was getting closer to uh 50 to 70 dollars a night yeah so what does that look like per month in cash flow um per month and you know this was up and down based on seasons but yeah. uh per, per month i was i was able to cash flow um a thousand dollars to two thousand over my mortgage wow, wow. And my mortgage wasn't much either. My my mortgage is only fourteen hundred. 
mm-hmm. and, plus, it, and there was it, there was an HOA fee as well. So with everything, it was like seventeen hundred, gotcha. uh, two thousand with utilities. Wow. And are you still Airbnbing this property? I am not. Yeah, I, I switched to long term rental when I I was about to actually before I was going to move out. I switched to long term, mm-hmm. and that was just because I got burnt out because I was doing all my own cleaning. Yeah. Um, everything myself, and yeah, that's just. A good lesson to learn is, is don't do your own cleaning because you will get burnt out. And I still didn't know any better at that point. And so <laughs> I figured I could come home from a 10 hour day and do two hours of cleaning. Yeah, let me tell you, it was hard. I bet that was a grind. Yeah, I was gonna say like definitely with that profitability, <clears throat> obviously that's great, but then there's gonna be more work that goes into it, especially with like the short term leases and short term Airbnbs. So. I'm I'm sure you definitely got burnt out on that. Yeah, I definitely did, and uh, yeah, I had some some bad guests as well. Um, you know, I had some guests that, you know, I had one guest that burned holes through the sheets. That you know, they decided to smoke smoke a joint or whatever they smoked, and uh, it they dropped it and it went all the way through the sheets. I, I got some money back for that, but uh, then I had some other guests that I mean, they were on some heavy drugs. And uh, they actually flooded my entire bathroom. Oh my Jeez. god! Yeah, it, I think it was an accident, but they plugged the sink and mm-hmm. kept the water running, and the water flowed over the vanity into the downstairs bathroom. Luckily, it didn't cause a ton of damage because there's another guest there that stopped it and then cl- cleaned up the mess. But I mean, it, yeah, my entire bathroom was flooded. Jeez. So was that kind of like the straw that broke the back for you? That and then, you know, I also had a water heater go out on me and, uh, you know, I, I tried to fix it myself. <laughs> I was such a do-it-yourselfer, you know? Sensing a sensing a DYI. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I, I tried to fix it myself. Yeah. I, you know, I YouTubed it and, uh, you know, I thought it was the dip tube. It was the dip tube. But when I went to replace the dip tube, uh, the dip tube actually broke into the tank and then when I tried to seal it all up and isolate it, the isolation broke. And uh, so I had to turn the water on and there was a leak. So I actually had to keep the water off to the house for five days or so while I waited for a repairman to come. And I had to cancel eight Airbnbs. So, I mean, obviously you have had some issues, but like, I, I think that's really great that it didn't just deter you from real estate investing because I feel like everybody will run into some problems at some point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it was just, you know, there's there's three 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 problems in a row. And so, and I had some friends that were wanting to find a place to move in. So I actually just switched over to long-term at that point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, luckily, I mean, I didn't know anything about COVID, but this was two months before COVID happened. Oh, wow is when I switched to a uh, long term. So it just, you know, worked out pretty well. It did. Yeah, I was going to say so, it probably worked out. Yeah. Is it like a traditional long term rental? Because I also know like on the FI team, the rent by the room option is popular. So, you know, it wasn't a traditional, it's a rent by the room. Okay. And we've talked about this with Chad before when he came on, but can you break it down for us a little bit and why that's more attractive than just say, you know, the normal typical lease that you might do? Yeah, so you, you can just cash flow a little bit better um, or a lot better. Mm-hmm. So I was renting out each room for seven fifty. Um, the downstairs room I was actually getting eight hundred bucks a month for. 
And so I was able, even when I was living there, I was able to cash flow, you know, a few hundred dollars. And then when I moved out, I was able to cash flow a thousand dollars. Wow. And that, that's just not possible with a normal rental. Yeah. Here in Denver. Does managing that get trickier than managing obviously a traditional or, you know, what's the difference between that Airbnb and a traditional rental? Um, it can be trickier, so you can have uh, drama between roommates, and I have experienced that um, mm-hmm. a couple times. And uh, other than that, it's mainly just making sure that you get the right tenants in place. Um, I've had really smelly tenants. I had a, a tenant that just uh, you know kept all his fast food garbage in the room, and it started smelling like fast food the entire house. <laughs> so... I uh, got some complaints there and, you know, I asked him to leave. He, he left on his own terms and uh, luckily I haven't had to evict anybody, but I have had to ask uh, multiple people to leave. Yeah. How do you even find a good tenant? Do you have any steps? Yeah, the biggest thing is, uh, is, is screening them. So I, I usually use like a video, a video conference with them, you know, like a Zoom or something like that, FaceTime, uh, just so you can you can feel them out. You can talk to them, kind of get to know, you know, who they are, what their hobbies are. And uh, that helps. I mean, it's, it's, it's not fail proof, but it definitely helps. And then also doing the background check and the credit check just to make sure that, you know, they're not, they're not held up in claims, uh, you know, that their, their credit's okay, uh, that they're responsible. Yeah. Definitely don't want to get burned. Definitely. Do you want to start talking about some of your other investment properties? And I, I don't, I'm curious, how many in total do you have? So I'm on my fourth right now, and I just bought this one four months ago. And uh, yeah, so it's a, a single family that turned into a duplex. Uh, I added a door and a second kitchen downstairs so that I could Airbnb the upstairs and live in the downstairs. So, so it's a two downstairs. What are some of the requirements? So you said it was a single family, correct? At first, converted to a duplex. What are some of the requirements that you have to do to even convert that? So luckily, it was already zoomed duplex. So it was actually it was originally a duplex. They turned it into a single family, and then I converted it back to a duplex. So um, there aren't many requirements. Um, I'm over in North Denver, so uh, the regulations are pretty. Um, pretty slim and uh, yeah I mean I was just able to add a door add the kitchen and it's it's working out so far and your Airbnb in the top you said yes okay and then so you added the door and you added the kitchen how much did that cost um so the door was about five hundred dollars or so okay and that was also because I worked with my handyman and helped him out so I, I work with a guy who, you know, he charges less because I can help him out. And so uh, that's what I did with that door. And then the kitchen, that was around, a, you know, $4,000 mm-hmm. with all the appliances mm-hmm. and, you know, a rough in for the plumbing. So not, not horrible. And I, I did it cheaply um, because, I, you know, I GC'd it basically and just hired subcontractors to do the, the little things I needed done. I guess, like, my question is, what's your kind of, like, goal going forward then? Are you going to try to attain even more properties? Are you going to try to Airbnb them and then do short, short-term short or long-term? Like, what, what's kind of the, uh, what's the future looking like? 
Yeah, definitely. So I'm trying to work with uh, partners at this point. Uh, since I'm no longer lendable, I'm on a 1099. Uh, so I've, I've been talking to a couple partners that, that want to get in with me. And uh, we're probably going to use the rent by the room scenario. Um, that's what they feel most comfortable about. And that's what, uh, that's what I know best. Um, I, I do know Airbnb as well. But um, I, I think we're just going to do the long-term rent by the room. Do you have like a target goal on properties? Um, you know, I would say maybe 10 properties over the next, you know, five years or so. But, uh, you know, if I could get another property this year or next, I'd be pretty happy. Um, I'm also, you know, a realtor, so I'm trying to focus on that business and, and not pull my time away too much. Yeah. Would you say like, so you got the fourth property this year, right? Right. How many months ago was that? Uh, four months ago. So I, I guess it was actually in 2021. Okay. So you got it in 2021 and you were able to achieve Phi not long after that. What was like the tipping point? Um, the tipping point for just to achieve like financial freedom. Was it just your expenses were covered? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I hated my W2. Um, that, that was actually the tipping point. Okay. I was doing two weeks of nights, two weeks of days, uh, transitioning between the two and it was exhausting, you know, so I had to get out. I had to do something. And, uh, buying this fourth property allowed me to actually rent out my third property fully, you know, each room. And uh, so my third property is a five bedroom, two bath. Okay. So renting out each room for 750 each, I was able to cash flow about 1200 bucks a month. Wow. So you house hacked for three years in a row, basically. Exactly. And with the house hacking, you put very little money down, right? Right. Yep. It was a 5% down conventional. So yeah, very little down. So each time you did 5%. Correct. So do you still have an FHA in your pocket or no? I do still have an FHA. Oh, wow. Good for you. <laughs> Brian, do you want to break down house hacking for us? Cause you were able to go for three years in a row and now you're, you know, working for yourself. So yeah, sure. Um, so basically, house hacking is right as you live in the you're living in your primary residence but renting out the rooms am i getting that right right exactly so yeah living in one room renting out the other ones uh yeah to counter the the mortgage yeah but then you used also the airbnbs and the rent by the room strategies just kind of boost the cash flow a little bit exactly okay um did that allow you to also just pocket more money to maybe snowball into the next property it, it did, yeah. I was able to live at my property, not pay anything to live there. And then I was actually cash flowing a few hundred bucks as well. So, yeah. Are you also just kind of saving like an emergency fund on the side just in case things were to go south? Yeah. So, yeah, I try to save up uh, about $10,000 per property. So I just have that in reserves uh, just in case anything were to happen. Interesting. And so I guess we've been talking about financial freedom a lot. And I was just curious, like, what are what are you doing, like, outside of just like yourself? Are you trying to reach out to other people about it? Like what what's kind of like uh, do you have an inspiration? You know, just. Yeah. So 
So my main goal at this point is to teach other people about financial independence. And so I became a realtor to do just that so I could help other people get into properties uh, and achieve financial independence through real estate investing, which I see as being the easiest way to get there. Um, if you get, you know, five properties, uh, each cash flowing close to a thousand dollars, that covers a lot of people's expenses. Not everyone's. Uh, you know, for some people, maybe it's ten properties. Uh, it depends on the person. But yeah, I try to spread the word about financial independence because it's just so freeing. You know, to be able mm-hmm. to quit your job whenever you want or keep working your job and just save up extra cash. Um, either way, it, it's it's work optional. So. That's what I'm about. Yeah, can't beat that. I, I heard you on Craig Kerlop's podcast with Ziona McIntyre. What's it called? Investify, I think. Um, and you talked about how like self improvement also played a role in this in your journey to Fi. Can you talk about that a little bit? Definitely. Yeah. So whenever I could, every single day, you know, I, I worked on improving myself. You know, whether that was reading books, podcasts. Again, I didn't get into the you know the resources and, and bigger pockets until after my condo, mm-hmm. but but once I started learning, you know, you know, reading the books, um, listening to the podcasts, everything changed. You know, it's, it's just everything seemed easier, and uh, and so I'm, I'm trying to work on that every single day, just trying to improve myself in, in one little way or a big way, and uh, you know, network, um, however you can do it, but just yeah, just improve constantly. So is this some advice maybe that you give to like a beginner just to try to read and listen to podcasts? Is there anything else? 100%, yeah. Read, listen to podcasts, go to meetups. Uh, We have a lot of meetups over here in Denver. I know a lot of other states have meetups as well. Um, Just get yourself around people who are doing it. It's so important. Yeah, and we've also, we've talked about like the importance of networking a lot on this podcast before. And I was just curious, has that led to like potential deals for you or like has that just transpired in any way? Definitely. Yeah. So, you know, as as I network with people, you know, uh, we all start to come together and and figure out how we can help each other out. And uh, that's how I've actually created partnerships, you know, and and that's how I'm going to buy real estate in the future is is through partnerships and uh, and networking with with others. see are we missing anything brian is there anything else that you think we should mention i mean i kind of talked about like being creative and stuff you know with financing i think that was a big thing with me you know because in the first couple deals you know i couldn't get without without creative financing so yeah and creative financing meaning just you know getting your parents to basically sign the loan right just to get you in the door basically did you ever use like seller financing at all or anything like that okay no i haven't yet okay okay yeah so every deal has been found on the MLS for you. Right. Okay. Yep. So. Wow. So you're able been, to achieve, and, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say this. You're able to achieve fine. Six years, house hacking, everything on the MLS. Yep. Exactly. That's what so, I was going to say. You're cash flowing like $1,000. You know what I'm saying? You've been talking about cash flowing $1,000. That's insane with like deals on the MLS because generally I hear that you, know, you might not be as good of deals, um, just especially because like off-market deals – are what t- tend to allow you to cash flow more. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, especially with the rent by the room strategy, you know, you're able to cash flow a lot more. 
And uh, yeah, so I mean, at this point, you know, I'm up to about $2,200 in cash flow, and uh, I'm also living for free. So yeah, that's enough to cover my costs. Yeah. So, you know, you did this in six years, you did it all in the MLS, house hacking. Is there anything stopping someone else from doing this? No, no, I'd say that, you know, anyone can do it, you know, like back to our, you know, com- comfortability scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can either do it with a duplex, uh, you can do it with an ADU in the backyard. I know people who do that. Um, or you can do the rent by the room, which is the least comfortable. Yeah. But you know, it works and you only have to do it for a year. What's an ADU? Uh, an additional dwelling unit. Mm. Yep. So you could have, you know, a mother in law suite or, you know, a carriage house, something like that in the backyard. Um, rent that out and you know that's that's higher up on the comfortability scale yeah yeah i think does that kind of wrap wrap up the main interview mike yeah yeah i think so i mean gosh guys you know brian said it himself and there's nothing stopping anybody from doing this it's just kind of how how willing you are to do it right yeah and that's the biggest thing and you just touched on that brian it's just like the comfortability versus profitability everybody whatever whatever you want to do as an individual is totally fine like you'll get to the same place eventually um so it's just like that nobody should shy away from this opportunity and everybody deserves to have a quality life and be able to be financially independent and just i think that's so important in today's world like there's there's nothing that should be able to hold nothing that should hold somebody back but I guess now we'll transition to the exit interview questions. And we ask this to pretty much every guest that we have on. We kind of switch up some questions here and there. But first one is, Brian, what's your favorite real estate or business book? Yeah, so my favorite book is uh, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And that's a great book because it just explains that, you know, everything is compounding. You know, what your habits, um, your savings, you know, buying real estate, it's, it's all using the compound effect. And so, you know, it's like, if you analyze, you know, a deal a day, you know, that compounds over time. And then before you know it, you know, you're very knowledgeable at analyzing deals. Um, You know, the same thing with, you know, goals and everything like that. You know, if you, if you set goals every single day, that compounds over time. Yeah. We'll make sure to add that to the show notes too. So you guys in the audience can go check that out. I loved his uh, his tip on like tracking and writing everything down in a notebook. Definitely. I don't know if you use that too, but I used it for some habits and it's been a game changer. Oh, is that what you use for us when we were saying like a bunch of times on the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, that's, that's one of them. All right. So our next question is, if you had to restart today, what would you be doing differently? I would have uh, builded sis- build systems from the beginning. So um, just having the right foundation is so important. And uh, like I said, like, you know, I kind of was on the fly when I first started investing in real estate because I got into it by accident. Yeah. I didn't have those systems when I started. And then once I got a second property, you know, I had bad habits. Talk about the compound effect. I, you know, I had bad habits, compounding uh, receipts that were just piling up. And so just having those systems of, okay, I'm going to put my receipts into a system that, you know, tracks that. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, do my bookkeeping from the start, you know, and, and be consistent with all that. Yeah. I'm adding this in, but we always talk about like building systems. 
is there a good place to learn like specifically how to build a system would that just be bigger pockets or do you have any other learning avenues yeah I'd, I'd say you know just listening to bigger pockets you know they talk a lot about building systems um i would say you know there's other podcasts as well um books on it um yeah def- definitely just keep learning and uh yeah keep building i had a question about the you're talking about building systems do you still have any systems you still want or need to kind of build into your real estate business yeah, I would say I would say bookkeeping more regularly. I think I think a lot of investors struggle with that, mm-hmm. and so just uh, being consistent with that and just having a system of 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 how you're going to track your expenses and you know your rents, everything like that. I think that's really important, and it's still something that I struggle with. Um, a lot of times, you know, it's like I do it at the very end. You know, once it's yeah. done. Yeah. What do you use? Uh, just Excel. Yeah, that's I, I just use Excel. Yeah, yeah and there's better better methods out there for sure. And this is just kind of piggyback off it. Do you see yourself ever hiring property managers to kind of be completely passive? So I, I did hire a property manager for my second property, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, that made that's made that completely passive. And so I do want to hire him for my third property. Yeah. So. Gotcha. In the future, uh, yeah, I definitely will. So the third question is: As an investor, what is the most important? What is the most important thing in order to be successful? So I think the most important thing is to set goals um, and just have a direction. You know, it's you know, there's a powerful quote. It's you know, if it, if a ship has no direction, it's never going to leave the port. So you have to have a direction. You have to have you know something that you're going for, and you know just to to be aimlessly moving around in this world is not going to help you. You, you got to have those goals. And so, you know, I really do believe in like writing down your goals and, and reciting them, you know, whether it's one year goals, even three month goals, um, going all the way up to 10 year goals, write those down and uh, you'll be amazed with what you can accomplish. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's some good info. And we'll put this back where the systems conversation was. But um, fourth question is, what are some of your hobbies? Uh, yeah, I like to snowboard. Um, I like to hike. You know, being in Colorado, you know, there's a lot of outdoors activity, camping, um, boating, uh, going on the lakes. Uh, so, yeah, I like to be outdoors as much as I can. Yeah. Working out. What type of workout do you like to do, though? I do I do mostly weightlifting. Yeah, that's that's my go to. I need to do more cardio, but I can see you got some guns on you, you know. So I was just like, <laughs> all right, yeah, I can I can tell you lift a little bit. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. But I uh, more often now, so Yeah. <laughs> well is there uh anything right now that our listeners can do to add value to you or your company? Um, I'd I'd say reach out to me. Um we could see how we could, you know, maybe form a partnership. Um, I'm looking for private money as well. So that's, that's an opportunity and, uh, you know, just connecting, you know, it's, it's so important to connect with like-minded people. And so I'm always down with another connection. So yeah, just reach out. Absolutely. So with that, where is a good place to find you and reach out to you? 
Yeah, so on Instagram, uh, you can find me at at Brian Balducki. That's my name, B-R-Y-A-N-B-A-L-D-U-C-K-I. Um, Facebook, it's the same thing, Brian Balducki. So it's pretty easy. Uh, my email is brian at thefyteam.com. So that's B-R-Y-A-N um, at uh, thefyteam. So T-H-E-F-I-T-E-A-M.com. So feel free to email me, direct message me. Yeah, let's connect. Yeah, and just for the audience members, we'll add that to the show notes so you'll be able to reach out to him in every any way that you want to. But, you know, Brian, Mike and I are just very, very thankful that you came on to the show today. It was really cool just to hear about your whole experience. Like, you're financially free. That's something that we're both trying to chase currently. And uh, we just appreciate you being open and available to talk uh, to tell us about your story um, to us in the audience. So, yeah, thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me. I love what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work. Uh, just keep spreading spreading the knowledge of financial independence and uh, real estate investing. You guys are killing it. Thank you. So, Mike, what do you think about the show? Yeah, that show fired me up. You know, I mean, it's really cool to talk to somebody who just achieved financial freedom and they did it through house hacking you know, Airbnb and renting by the room, all real estate investing strategies that are accessible to everybody. So I just love that, you know, Brian talked about it, that anybody can do this and it's really just up to you if you're going to do it or not. So I, I really loved uh, having Brian on today. He was awesome. Yeah, I agree. yeah, I agree with you. Brian just was really intriguing to listen to. And I just thought the quote that he said, a ship that has no direction will never leave the port was really good because he talked about setting goals and staying to them and I just thought that's really important especially as a real estate investor because times can be rough at at certain points if you know things don't always go your way but at the end of the day this will lead you to financial freedom so yeah that's just kind of wrapping up the show notes and thank you for everybody for tuning in today thanks for tuning in to the green light real estate podcast if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to share this podcast with a friend or leave us a rating and review. This helps to make our podcast better. For now, we'll see you next time on the Greenlight Real Estate Podcast, the go-getter's guide to real estate investing and financial freedom.